A very good evening to you. Welcome to this pre-recorded service for Calvary Evangelical Church here in Brighton, the south coast of England, for today the 7th of February 2021. My name is Philip Wells, I work for the church as pastor elder and I'm going to be leading uh, the first part of the meeting and uh, later on our very very good friend to whom we're very grateful, John Woods um, from Lansing, is going to be speaking on Psalm 77. And the order of things is up on the uh, up on the screen just by my head. So the first thing we're going to do is uh, sing. Uh, we're going to sing the song which says, Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. It looks back to the way God's been faithful in the past, uh, in mighty, mighty ways, and takes comfort that God will be our help in these days. So we'll sing number 260. the night before the 
Psalm 77. I'll give you a moment to find it. It says, For the director of music, for Jejuthun of Asaph, a psalm. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night I stretched out untiring hands and my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint, Selah. You kept my eyes from closing. I, I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused, and my spirit inquired. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favour again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Selah. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years are the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm you redeemed your people. The descendants of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. We're going to sing number 614, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, All Our Sins and Griefs to Bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. The psalmist prayed and found relief uh, as he prayed and meditated in the presence of God and that song oh this song captures that uh, that thought
What a friend we have in Jesus For our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to carry Everything to God in prayer Oh, what peace we often forfeit Oh, what needless pain we bear Oh, because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend to Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laid? Jesus is our mighty Savior. He will listen to our prayer. Do your friends despise for saying you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield you. Find your strength and comfort there. And now we're going to pray. In our time of trial and trouble, Lord, we call upon you. We, in varying degrees, find ourselves dislocated, frustrated, sad, perhaps lonely, wishing things were different and wishing this was all over. O oh Lord, hear our complaint. Please forgive in that complaint whatever is sinful and just self-centred and help us even in this time to be God-centred, to be other-centred,
to be thinking how we can serve and help other people. We pray to you for our nation and uh, our government and all the nations that you will bring into their thinking and acting the humility which is right before you and to be humbled under your hand. Please enable the lessons that you want our nations to learn, to be learned. And we pray this for our government, for our leaders, for our neighbours, for our families, for our friends. You want us to repent and we pray that people would hear that and turn back to you. The psalmist looked back on the mighty deeds of old, uh, of the way that you led your people through the Red Sea and redeemed them. And we can look back at the way you did a mighty act of redemption, even mightier than the Red Sea, when Christ died upon the cross, the day the earth shook, and uh, the end of the world, as it were, almost happened. And we praise you for the mighty, resounding victory of Christ as he rose from the dead and as he has now ascended into heaven. We look forward to the day when he will come back and he will make everything new. But in the meanwhile, help us to be your people, to live as your people, deliver us from our sins, deliver us from evil, and help us to be people who serve you. And help us as we come in a moment to hear your word, to hear it with proper attention, uh, without distraction, uh, and that we will humbly receive the engrafted word. For Jesus' sake, Amen. That was the prayer. Now we're going to sing a version of Psalm 77. It's the one in the praise book and uh, you'll recognise the tune and hope you'll be able to sing along to Psalm 77. Then I called to mind 
the marvels once performed by God most high, pondering on the Lord's great actions, mortal power could not defy. Holy is our God, no by his all-transcending powers. When, O oh God, the waters saw you, terror-struck, they turned and fled. Lightning, tempest, whirlwind, thunder, filled the trembling world with dread. Leaving in the sand no footprint Through the sea your path you took And by Moses' hand and Aaron's Led your people like a flock And now I'll hand over to John, who's going to lead. Uh, he'll open up the text to us, and he will say a prayer at the end. And after that prayer, we will sing out with a song that he refers to. It's 875, Be Gone Unbelief, My Saviour is Near. So I'll leave the rest to him, and uh, for my part, I'll say goodbye just now and hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Very pleased to be with you again at Calvary Church and to be continuing in this series on the book of Psalms. And today we get to Psalm 77. The Psalms are some of my favourite parts of, um, of the Bible uh, for obvious reasons. There are 150 reasons uh, why I enjoy the Psalms. Uh, it's such a, an amazing book, so rich and varied. Martin Luther the reformer said that all the scripture speaks to us, but the Psalms speak for us. And of course, that's a really important thing. The Bible does speak today, and we're so grateful that God speaks to us about himself as the creator and the redeemer. That he tells us how we might know him and follow him and experience true hope in him. But the Psalms uh, speak uh, with another voice. They they speak as those who know God and have experienced God in their lives, but they explore the contours of our experience with God and in the world. The Psalms speak for us. They put into words the things that we think and feel and long for, and sometimes they, they do that in a way that great poetry does it. They, they compress really complex feelings and thoughts into a few words and they're particularly useful when we're feeling maybe uh, difficulties in our lives, challenges in our lives and we find it just too difficult to put what we feel into words. We know what we feel, we know what we're thinking but we just can't express it. 
Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 of prayers that are spoken with groans that are too deep for words. And sometimes that's where we're at. We're in a situation where we're groaning, we're in agony, and we don't quite know what to say. The Psalms help us there. And in particular, the, the Psalms which are described as lament Psalms, and Psalm 77 is one of those. A lament is a cry of the heart to God. And this um, lament in Psalm 77 is so useful for us when we're in that situation where we're feeling pain and we don't quite know what to do with it. It's a reminder that um, we, can, we can pray as, as ordinary people and that any place in our experience is an appropriate place for us to begin to pray. Someone has said, I only pray when I'm in trouble, but I am always in trouble. Lament prayers help us to find a language with which we can speak to God and call upon him, to describe our distress, to talk about how deep and painful our experience actually is. So there in uh, verse one, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. Uh, now, of course, uh, it's interesting that in this psalm, this, this cry, this lament is not brief. It continues to trickle throughout most of the psalm. Often the, the psalms of lament, like the first one in Psalm 3, um, has a very brief period of lament. And then there's a kind of uh, struggle towards the light, a struggle towards hope. And the, the movement is, is steady. Now, in this particular psalm, the, the question, the longing for resolution, hangs in the air for a little bit longer. It is a lament. Now, uh, someone has said that the, 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 the many laments that we find in the book of Psalms remind us uh, that these are not something which are unusual in the experience of the believer. The fact that they happen so often, so many Psalms of lament in these 150 Psalms, reminds us that this is part of a believer's experience and, and part of a Christian experience. It's not a sign of deficient faith. It's not something that we can outgrow or put behind us. Uh, classically, one of the lament Psalms, Psalm 22, was on the lips of Jesus when upon the cross he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Paul, when writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, says that he had experienced great anguish so that he felt even under the sentence of death that he's despaired even of life. Yes, lament describes human experience, a believer's experience, a Christian's experience. And there will be times when we need to have these prayers of lament in our prayer armory as part of the way that we express ourselves to God. Laments are saying to us, it is okay not to be okay. They say, don't they, that um, the greatest lie um, spoken after a church service 
is the use of the word fine. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm okay. Now, of course, not everybody can bear too much reality. Not everybody can actually um, endure um, the pain that we might be going through at a moment. And we don't particularly necessarily want to land people with that. And sometimes to actually shorten the conversation is, is better for us and for the other person in the long term. But it's important to recognise that the Psalms of Lament do give us a permission to say to ourselves and to say to God, I'm not okay. I am encountering difficulties, questions arising in my heart. Um, so the writer who says it's okay not to be okay says it's okay to be down. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be angry. If that's what we're feeling, it's okay to be angry and to express our anger to God. As long as we allow our anger not to separate us from God, to keep us from a loving relationship with God, but actually we bring that feeling of anger into our relationship so that we might experience resolution and healing and a way through. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to cry. It's okay to question God. It's okay to fail. And I think the psalm wants to say to us today, it is okay not to be okay. If you're struggling, struggling maybe with health in this global pandemic, struggling perhaps with fear about your financial circumstances, or you're a child and you're a little bit worried about not being at school or, or not quite having the same education as normal, wondering about what impact that might have upon your education, your employment prospects in the future. It's okay not to be okay. God is interested in those things. God is interested. Some people say, you know, and I think it's a helpful saying, that nothing is too big for God's power and nothing is too small for God's love. You see, if you're a human father, nothing that troubles your child is unimportant to you. You care for them. And God, our Heavenly Father, cares for how we feel and wants us to express that, articulate it. Verses two and three. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out my hands and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. The psalmist is bringing his lament to God. But there's a cautionary note here, isn't there? Um, the language that the psalmist uses uh, is, is pretty much all um, first person um, pronouns. And there's a lot about I and me. And of course, this is what happens when we experience pain. It is our pain and, and we feel the, the pain very personally. And when we talk about it, we can be fixated upon ourselves. And there is a danger. There's a dangerous corner that we can easily turn where we we move from talking to God and trusting in God to becoming obsessed with ourselves, 
obsessed with our fears so that we, in fact, look at ourselves rather than look at God. Someone said this, that pity is adrenaline for acts of mercy. Self-pity is a narcotic that leaves its addicts wasted and derelict. This lament that takes um, a long time to build throughout this psalm over 10 verses is bringing our experiences and our feelings to God. And that's right. The Psalms of Lament are there in the Bible to remind us that we have permission to do that. The danger, though, that we need to avoid is not to become self-absorbed, not to be consumed by self-pity. Oh, poor little me. We need to think as we lament less of myself and more of him. We're not going to get the solution from ourselves. We only get the solution from him. The psalmist says that in his praying, he felt, you kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. Um, he, he feels that he's so concerned about what troubles him that he's not able to sleep. He's had that experience, maybe the, the experience that you've had or are having regularly at present of not being able to get to sleep at night or maybe waking up in the middle of the night and tossing and turning and worrying about what might be happening next. It's as though my eyelids were, were snatched open. I'm calling upon you. I'm too troubled to speak. I can't even get words out. I am in pain. I'm in trouble. I'm experiencing panic, unspeakable distress, unspeakable pain. You know, we are living at a time of great pain and distress too. Um, and this can lead us to, to worry and to toss and turn in our, in our sleep. Just recently gone by the um, milestone of 100,000 deaths related to COVID-19. We are in anxious, difficult times, although um, we praise God for the speed by which the, uh, the vaccine is being rolled out. Uh, we, we still have an alarming rate of death, uh, you know, symbolised by that very famous death this week of um, Captain Tom Moore, um, 100 years old, um, catapulted into fame during the last year because of his remarkable sponsored walk and other activities that raised £33 million for the NHS. We live in anxious times. We live in times of loss and threat and fear. What's the next year going to be like? Maybe a child has said that to mum or dad. Will it be okay? Will we get through? Will things ever be better? Let's hope so. In fact, uh, the psalmist does what we do in these um, circumstances. He moves from his present situation to think about the former days. Verse 5, I thought about the former days. 
The years of long ago I remembered my songs in the night, my heart mused and my spirit inquired, verses 5 and 6. Ten times in this psalm, the psalmist uses different types of terms for thinking. Thinking, meditating, remembering. And it is good to think. It's good to think through what we feel and to think through why we're feeling it. It's good to kind of lay out all our thoughts and all our feelings on the table and have a conversation with God to talk about what the situation actually is. But the first thought that the psalmist has is, is not entirely positive and not entirely helpful to him. He's thinking back to the former days and it, it actually adds to his sense of being anxious and cast down. He's thinking back to the time when things were so much better and now that makes the present feel so much worse. So it's impossible, isn't it, um, to do that? We, uh, we look back to uh, the time of February 2020 when things were kind of fairly normal and we could do spontaneous things and, and, uh, and there was freedom. Remember, the last Sunday in February, we, we had our farewell service at Lansing Tab. Uh, the building was completely jam-packed full. We were able to hug each other. We were able to enjoy um, a lovely tea together. Um, I, I went off at the end of that week to Latvia uh, to do some teaching with the, the School of Preachers Trust um, there. And during that trip, that week, that two or three weeks that I had in Latvia, um, the, the lockdown began in, in Latvia and then the lockdown began in England. My final service in Latvia was a service like this where I was preaching to a camera to um, a distant congregation. Um, it, it is so easy, isn't it, to think back to former times and the memories of former times not to lift us, but to actually make us descend a bit deeper into our sense of sorrow and loss. And the psalmist, um, as a result of this memory, um, bombards God with a whole range of questions. Um, so six questions that arise there in verse seven. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favour again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be mercy, merciful? Has, his, has, has he in anger withheld his compassion? They're questions which, um, which arise in the, in the heart of a human being. And, and obviously so. If, if things are not as they once were, if things are not as we would like them to be, is it perhaps that, that God has gone off duty, that God is not picking up the telephone, that God is not responding favourably to us anymore, that God has just stopped being the kind of God that we can trust? If we can't find hope and mercy and help in God, where can we turn. 
Now, we mustn't be afraid of questions. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask questions if we allow ourselves to be guided by God to the answers that he wants us to have. And, and what happened to the psalmist? How was the psalmist guided back on track after asking these questions? Well, in verse 10, we read, um, Then I thought, this is our appeal, the years when the Most High stretched out his right hands. I thought to myself, I'm going to appeal uh, not just to the past, but I'm going to appeal to the God of the past, who is the God of the present and the God of the future. I'll appeal to the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I'll remember the works of the Lord. I will just rehearse in my memory what God has done in the life of my people and in my own life. And I think it's um, important to recognise that there is um, a negative looking back, a negative looking back with, with nostalgia um, to the good old days, um, assuming that everything good is past and there's no way that we're going to have a decent present or a, de or a decent future. There is that kind of memory. But there's also a memory which goes back to the past and retrieves the lessons of the past uh, and brings them into the present. His love in times past for forbids me to think he'll leave me at last in trouble to sink. Uh, now the psalmist is, is going back to his memories of God and the memories are beginning to stir a confidence that God may well be at work in his life now and at work in the future. We need to remember the story and remember the God of the story. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are unique. There is no one like you. If anyone's going to get me out of this situation, it is you. If anyone is going to give me a different attitude, it's you. You are the God who performs miracles. You are a God of great power. Now, it feels to me that something very special needs to happen to get me out of this particular frame of mind, this particular trouble that I have, says the psalmist. But of course, you are a God who can get people out of trouble. You are the God who has rescued people from the impossible situation. You are the God who has done things that can not be imagined by us. It's like that what Paul says in, in Ephesians chapter 3, that you're able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And it's important to recognise that, isn't it? You know, if you're in trouble, you don't phone up someone who is as confused as you are. If you can't do something, you don't phone someone who's incompetent. You phone someone up who can do it. You phone someone up who does understand it. And here the, psalm, the psalmist is summoning up his memories of a God who can do things when our backs are pressed against the wall. A God who can deliver us out of our fears and out of the pressures of human life. 
And what he remembers is remarkable. He remembers that God, the time of the Exodus, the time when the people of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, he remembers that God delivered them through the sea. The water saw you, verse 16. Oh God, the water saw you and ride. The very depths were convulsed. Your path, verse 19, led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. What he saw was God guiding the people through the waters, through the Red Sea, from their captivity into their promised freedom. And that's the helpful thing. As a friend of mine said, um, they go right through the trouble. They don't go around it. They don't go above it. Um, it's not in spite of the trouble that they get through, but they, they, they go through the trouble, through the sea. Your path led through the sea, through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. Now that's the remarkable thing, isn't it? That God is invisible, yet his works are visible. That sometimes it appears that human beings are facing defeat. After all, the people of Israel facing the Red Sea with well-equipped, experienced soldiers in large numbers pursuing them from Egypt. The obvious thing to assume was, this is it. Prepare to meet your God. There they were, facing the waters. And how were they to escape? There was no way of escape. But God gives them a way of escape through the waters. The waters divide and they go through the waters. It appears that they were helpless, hopeless. It appeared as though there were no options available for them to make progress. But God works in their circumstances. Now, you may feel like that. You may feel emotionally, spiritually, economically. You may feel as a church that it's difficult quite to discern the way forward. Difficult to understand what God is doing and how God is leading us into the future. Well, that was the experience of the people of Israel, yet God did guide them through. Their path was through the waters. We did not see your footprints. God's actions were visible, but God's footprints were invisible. God's ways are not always visible. God's ways are not always comprehensible to us. We don't always understand what he's doing and why he's doing what he does. Israel survived. Israel existed because of the action of God, the seen actions of an unseen God. When we pray, when we say to him, we're not OK, we're, we're struggling. We're, we don't quite know how we're going to get through. 
we come to this God and we know that he is with us and he is working through us. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock. There's that lovely picture, isn't there, in Isaiah 40? But God shepherds his flock and he takes those that are young, the young, the young lambs, and he nestles them close to his heart. God is a tender shepherd. He is concerned for each member of his flock, for the oldest and the youngest. His love for us is faithful and firm. His love for us can be depended upon. You led your people like a flock. You led your people by the hand of Moses and Aaron. God is pleased to lead us. God is pleased to give us people who will lead us in our churches, in our families. And it's interesting that the word that's used is by the hand of Moses and Aaron. At the beginning of the psalm, uh, the psalmist speaks about stretching his hands out to God in prayer. And God's hand is stretched out to us in order to bring deliverance and guide us through. The hands of the people of God were held by Moses and Aaron, metaphorically speaking. Too many people to actually hold hands physically. But they had a safe pair of hands that guided them through. God was with them. And God knew about their needs. God knew about where they needed to be. God knew about the assurance that they needed. God knew about the destination that they needed to reach. And God was at work providing for that. We might worry about the future for our family, for our church, for our nation. But we need to commit ourselves to this, this God. We do not need to be afraid, says Corrie ten Boom, to uh, trust or entrust an unknown future to a known God. This is a God we know, and this God will not let us down. He will not disappoint us. In Luke chapter 9.31, uh, there's an experience where Jesus is on the mountainside meeting Moses and Elijah. They appeared in glorious splendour talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure or exodus, which he was about to bring to fulfilment at Jerusalem. The people of Israel were brought from Egypt in the mighty exodus, the way out of Egypt. Jesus is the one who has come to be our exodus, our exodus from sin and from death and from hell to give us the freedom to know God, to have the freedom to approach the throne of grace with boldness that we might receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. I only pray when I'm in trouble, but I'm always in trouble. What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything.
to him in prayer. We are a people of memory and hope. As we remember in the right way what God has done at the Exodus delivering Israel, at the cross and at the empty tomb, Jesus offering himself that we might be forgiven and have no fear of death and no fear of the future because he is with us. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. God our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. There is a lot of mileage in remembering this God and placing our hope in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for this opportunity to call upon your name in prayer, to read your word together. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to read this psalm and we thank you for the way that it very honestly expresses deep feelings that sometimes we experience ourselves. We thank you for the psalms that give us words by which we can come to you, words that help us to express how we're feeling, how we're thinking. We thank you that you give us permission to be honest with you. You give us permission to say it's okay not to be okay. But Father God, we thank you that you are the God who hears us. You are the God who answers our prayers. And you are the God who takes us by the hand and leads us through. We pray that you will lead each one here through this global pandemic, through all the uncertainties related to it. We pray that you will lead us from a life that is centred on ourselves to a life that trusts Jesus and experiences his forgiveness, new life and hope. We pray for the, the church at Calvary and we pray too that you will take them by the hand in this year, guide them, provide for them. Particularly we pray your provision for long-term leadership. We thank you that we've read that you led your people through the waters and that the hand of Aaron and Moses guided them. We pray, Father, that you'll put people with safe pairs of hands into key roles in the life of Calvary Church during this year. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Saviour is near, and for my relief will surely appear. By prayer let me wrestle, and prove that he saves. 
With Christ in the vessel, I smile at the waves. Song. 